Well, once again, let me uh, welcome you here and welcome over in the venue. Those of you that are watching online, maybe you're listening on the radio or whatever, we're just glad you're with us. Quickly, let me tell you, we started uh, our um, 2015 follow class that I teach, and we had, I don't know, over 100 people in the room. It was really great. It was just a, a fantastic time. The overwhelming majority of the people that are there were new believers, and they're just kind of beginning this new journey of finding out about Jesus Christ, the Bible, what does the Bible say, all those kinds of things. And, um, and there are some that were in there that, you know, they've known the Lord a long time, but they made a decision this year that they wanted to go uh, a little bit deeper. They wanted to really understand this incredible book. And so there they were in there, kind of starting the year off right. And I will tell you this, it's, uh, there's still uh, a room for you. We, we allow kind of a one-week grace period, and if you're sitting out there and you're going, oh, man, I wanted to go, I forgot about it, all you have to do is call the church and say, hey, I'd like to go to the, um, uh, the follow class, and we'll make sure there's a book there, coffee, there's child care, all that kind of stuff. But uh, for those of you that are part of this church, keep praying for that class. It's really a, uh, just a fantastic uh, time to get to know some new people and they get to know me and all that kind of stuff. Now, for those of you that weren't here last week, I, I kind of gave everybody a scouting report on Satan or the the, the devil. Never, uh, well, may, maybe there's been some series that I've done or some message I've done that's generated a lot of questions. And last week, man, a lot of great questions came in. Uh, it was really, really cool to hear how the Lord was working in your lives through that message. Uh, I basically told you five things about uh, Satan. Number one is I I talked about the fact that he's real. Genesis chapter uh, three, we see him interfacing with Adam and Eve. Uh, Job chapters one and two, he's interfacing with, with Job. We see him interfacing with Jesus himself in Matthew chapter four. I'm often asked uh, by Christians and non-Christians if I really believe in Satan or the, you know, or the devil or the demons, and the answer is yes, absolutely I believe in Satan, because the, the, the Bible clearly teaches his existence, and as a follower of Jesus Christ, this is my guidepost to life, and you see Satan all throughout the, the, the scriptures. Now, uh, one of the, the questions that I, I received last week, and a lot of people asked it in lots of different ways, was this, Pastor Rick, where did he come from? How did, uh, how did he become the devil? Which is a great question. So I want to take just a second, maybe unpack that thought for you for just a moment. Um, there was a moment when God created all of the angels, all the angelic beings, We don't know exactly when that was. Job 38 tells us that it was before he created, you know, the the earth and the world and all that kind of stuff. But we don't know exactly when it was all of the angels were um, created. And Satan was one of these angels that God created. His name was Lucifer. There are a couple of angels that are actually, uh, the scriptures tell us their names. Satan was one of them. He was given the name Lucifer. And at the time that he was created, he was one of God's holy angels. In fact, um, the Bible seems to indicate that he was God's, uh, maybe his most powerful angel or the most powerful angel that God had created. But when God created the angels, he gave them the ability to choose, just like we can choose whether we want to serve God or, 
or uh, honor God or obey God. The angels have the same opportunity. They can make a choice as to whether they want to serve God, obey God, or whatever. And uh, Satan was the first of many angels who said, you know what, God, I don't want to serve you. I don't want to obey you. I don't want to honor you. I, I want to do life on my own terms. And human beings do that all the time. I, I know for the first part of my life, that was the decision I made. I, I, I didn't believe in God. I didn't want to honor God. I didn't care about God. I didn't follow his word. And so all demons are are angels who have walked away from God. In other words, God doesn't create angels and create demons. God created all the angelic beings, and he created them before the foundations of the world. Demons are just those angels who chose to say, I don't want to follow God. Now, in Isaiah chapter 14, we're told about the fall of the king of Babylon. We're told about why he fell from power or why he lost his power. But a lot of scholars think it's also a symbolic de uh, description of Lucifer's fall from heaven because Lucifer was the power behind the king of Babylon. They were in lockstep with each other. And it says this in Isaiah chapter 14. Oh, how you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth you who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Five times this king, this king of Babylon said, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. He never once considered what God's will was. It was all about him. The king became proud and arrogant, and that, that's never good. And as I said, we know that Satan was the one who was energizing the, the king. So in a symbolic way, this passage also tells us about the fall of Lucifer, if you will. You can't separate the two. You can't separate out the king of Babylon and Lucifer. Ezekiel chapter 28 gives us another glimpse into the into the fall of Satan also. But So where did he come from? Well, he came from God. God created him as a holy angel, but then he rebelled against God. He sinned against God, and that's when he became the head demon, if you will. Now, when you know this, it helps explain why there's such evil in the world, doesn't it? You see, you might be sitting out there, you might be in the venue, you might be watching me online, and you might be thinking to yourself, well, that's just crazy. Come on, man. You really believe in demons and, and, and Satan and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I do. Because the Bible says he's real. And you know what? It, it helps to explain the evil that's in the world. You see, we as believers, we have an answer to the question of evil. We can explain evil. We can explain wickedness. You may not like our answer, and I, I understand that, but at least we have an answer to, to the question of evil. We can explain it. When you pick up your newspaper on any, any given day and you just see some of the things that one human being can do to another, 
Some of it is just so hideous. You, you, you know where that come from, where that comes from, and, and who's behind it, who's energizing those kinds of evil things. So the first thing on our scouting report is that Satan is real. Number two, last week I talked about the fact that he's powerful. And you see that obviously in Job chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 10. You, you see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 John chapter 5 says, We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Just like he was what was energizing the king of Babylon, and in, in Ezekiel 28, energizing the king of Tyre, he's the one who's energizing all of the, you know, all the crummy things that are going on on planet Earth. Uh, number three, we talked about the fact that he's evil. Uh, Job 1 and 2 obviously tell us that. Uh, John chapter 8 tells us that he's a murderer and a, and a liar. Uh, number 4, he hates the new you. We talked about that. The Bible says that at the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ, old things passed away and behold, all things became new. All of a sudden, you now have God's Holy Spirit living in you. <laughs> and Satan's not all that thrilled about God, to say the least, which means he's not all that thrilled about you anymore. He hates the new you. He was okay with the old you. It's when you became this new creation. And number five, we talked about the fact that he's still on planet Earth, and Revelation chapter 20 kind of unpacks that a little bit. And when you put these five things together, okay, it equals trouble. It equals big trouble for you. But I want to give you some good news real quickly here. There are two truths that are important to keep in mind when you think about Satan and the demons. And the first truth is this, is that Jesus won the war over Satan and the demons. You need to keep that truth in the forefront of your mind. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, the Son of God came for this purpose. Here it is. God's going to give us one succinct sentence, five words that tell us one of the great reasons why Jesus came, and that was to destroy the devil's work. That's why he came. And you have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 to see the beginning of the devil's work. He tempts Adam and Eve, and they disobey God. It brings sin into the world, and we got a mess on our hands all these years later. And so the Son of God, Jesus, came to destroy the, the works of, of the devil. And the second truth is this. The power that dwelt that death blow to Satan and the demons is in you, if you know him, if you've given your life to him, if you've submitted your life to him, if you've humbled yourself before God. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4 that greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. See, so, so we know that, that Jesus defeated Satan and the demons. That, that's a truth. And we know that that power is inside of you. And those are true, two truths that I, I want you to hang on to. So here's my question. If Jesus won the war uh, over Satan and the demons, and he did, and if Jesus lives in you, and he does, why is it so hard to live the Christian life? Right? We talked a little bit about that last week. Well, it all comes back to number five. It's because Satan and the demons are still here on planet Earth, and so are you. We're both taking up space down here on, on planet Earth. It's not easy to walk 
the Christian life. I told you last week, churches all over the country are packed the first weekend of the new year. Why? Because Christians, I'm gonna, you know, I'm getting back into church, man. I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna really deepen my walk with God. And their, their motives are pure. Their motives were, are right. But there's a whole lot of them that aren't here to this weekend. There's a whole lot of them who didn't even make it to the first weekend. And it's not because they really didn't want to. It's because there's a war going on. A real spiritual war. Some of you aren't going to be here, as I said, next week, next month. By the end of the year, you know what? Some of you aren't even going to want anything to do with God. You won't be reading your Bible. You won't be praying. You won't be giving. You won't be doing any of that anymore. Because this, our, our enemy is still here. He's still on planet Earth. We still have to interface with him. When I was in high school, I went to Grace M. Davis High School and um, played football. And one of the things we'd always do on Thursdays is we never had our pads on, but we'd go out and, and the offense, I was a quarterback, and so the quarterbacks would you know, line up the line and the wide receivers and the, court, and the running backs, and we would run plays with no defense. And so we'd you know, hike the ball, hand off, and the running back would run about five yards, and then they'd put the ball down, and then we'd run another play, and the running back would run about five yards, and they'd put the ball down, and, and we'd throw a pass, and it'd be complete for about 10 yards, and we'd put the ball down, and we'd march right down the field. And you know what? I can't tell you how many touchdowns we scored. In fact, we scored a touchdown on every, every drive. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Why? It was easy to do because there wasn't any opposition. There, there was no, nothing opposing us moving down the field. It wasn't until Friday night, and all of a sudden there was a defense there. We, we had opposition. And, and so it made it a little bit more difficult. And this side of glory, uh, we have an opposition. We, we just can't move the ball down the field. There, there's somebody that opposes us. There's a force out there that, that's real, that's powerful, it's evil, it hates you. It's still here. And it's going to do everything it can to make sure you don't live a God-honoring life. Our brother Peter penned these words. Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Beloved, not only is Satan still prowling around down here on planet Earth, but he's also your enemy, your great enemy. And here's the deal, I want you to think about this. Here you are in this battle, a spiritual battle. You got an enemy that's powerful, it's evil, it hates you, it wants to destroy you, it wants to destroy your family. He wants to make sure that you live a weak life, a, a fruitless life, a, a life that doesn't honor Christ. He, 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 he doesn't want you to be like Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to do God's will. So when your enemy attacks, what do you need? What do you need to overcome his attack? What do you need to live a Christian life or a fruitful life? What do you need to be more and more like Jesus? A, a bigger house? Will that help you? How about a new car, a better job, more money, a new spouse? Man, if I can just get a new spouse, man, I can, I'll be more and more like Christ, you know? How about bigger biceps, flatter abs, hipper clothes? 
Now there isn't anything wrong with those, those things in and of themselves. But the problem is, is that we as American Christians put way more emphasis on those things. Most Christians, when they wake up, have, they don't even think about the fact that they got a real enemy out there that hates them, that wants to destroy them, that's evil, that wants to destroy their family and their business if they're trying to have a God-honoring business, you see. They don't even think about that kind of stuff. And that's just the way the enemy likes it. He doesn't want you thinking about him. Just soon you get up and go about your life and do all the things you do and not really realize that there's, there's a force against you who doesn't want you to live out your, 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 your faith. So what is it that you need? You need? Well, you need God's spiritual power. You see, the enemy is spiritual. The warfare is spiritual. So what you need is spiritual power. And really only God can supply that. God said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is just really good. Just, just look at what God's word says. He says, we do not live in the world. We, we do live in the world. We do live in this world. But we don't fight in the same way the world fights. We fight with weapons that are different from those the world uses. Our weapons have power from God that can destroy the enemy's strong places. Isn't that just super insightful? Yeah, we live in the world. We occupy this space with uh, Satan, the demons, and he, he, he's powerful, he's evil, he hates you. Well, we live here with him, but we don't fight him with conventional weapons. We fight him with weapons that have a different power source to them. The, the weapons that we have are energized by God. And those are the things that we, we've got to kind of focus on. If we want to have, you know, live a, a, a victorious Christian life. And so over the next two weekends, uh, Lord willing, I want to talk about what some of those different weapons are that God has given you as a believer to better overcome our great en enemy. And so here, here we go with the first one. And I think it all begins right here. You blow this one, nothing else is going to matter. Okay? If you want to win the war, you need to have a healthy respect for your enemy. And by virtue of the fact that very few of you even thought about your enemy until you got in here tells me you don't have a healthy respect for him. Now, maybe a lot of you did because last week we started this series. And I, I know many of you were telling me, man, I'm waking up each morning and instead of going for my newspaper, I'm spending some time in the Word. Instead of going out and jogging my normal mile around the neighborhood, I'm spending some time in the Word. I'm spending some time, you know, with the Lord. Jude chapter, or Jude 9 says this. I shared it last week, but I want to talk about it again. The Bible says, but even Michael, one of the mightiest of God's angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. This verse tells us a number of things. One, that there is a war going on in places we don't understand, right? I mean, think about it. Michael the archangel and the devil are, are, are haggling over the body of Jesus Christ. Some of you have never read that. You've never thought about it. And I want to explain maybe a little bit about what's going on there. 
It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 34. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. You see, here's the deal. God didn't want anybody to know where the body of Moses was going to be buried. He didn't want the Jews to know because... We don't really know why, but I'm going to take a guess. The, the Jews were notorious for taking things like that, like a body, and then making an idol out of it. And God didn't want the Jews to make an idol out of the body of Moses. And uh, uh, God didn't want uh, Satan and the demons to get a hold of the body of, of Moses because that had done something you know, really crummy with the body. And so God didn't want anybody to know where the body of Moses was going to be buried. So God sends Michael, one of the mightiest angels, to come, take the body, and bury it. But when he gets there, he runs into Satan. And what's interesting is this. Here is one of God's mightiest angels, and that mighty angel goes, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm not messing with you. I'll let the Lord rebuke you. Michael, the archangel, had an incredible respect for his enemy. He knew he was real. He knew he was powerful. He knew he was evil. He knew that Satan hated him because he was one of God's servants. And he doesn't mess with them. He doesn't say, I, I bind you, Satan, which I hear a lot of preachers on TV talk about. Let me just tell you something. Don't ever do that. I don't even know what that means. How long does a binding last, by the way? And if you bind him, is it done for good? No, they come, he comes unbound. So you need a better binder. You need better handcuffs. Folks, there's just some really weird stuff being taught out there. Don't goof around with, with, with Satan and the demons. Yes, Jesus in you is greater than the demons, but you're not greater than the demons. And here we have Michael, the archangel, going, man, I'm not messing with the guy. Instead, I'm just going to go right to the big guy. Lord, you, 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 you take care of him. Let Jude 9 rattle around in your mind, Christian. We need to have a, a healthy respect for our enemy. L listen to what Warren Worsby said. He said, quote, It is a dangerous thing for God's people to confront Satan directly and to argue with him because he is much stronger than we are. If an archangel is careful about the way he deals with the devil, how much more cautious should we be? Amen. Amen. And I'll tell you, if you don't have a healthy respect for them, number two, three, and four that I'm going to give you here won't matter. Won't matter. And that's why it all begins here, because if you have a healthy respect for them, then number two is a no-brainer. And number two is this. If you want to win the war, you need to pray. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. As, as nicely toned and, and as your body is, it doesn't get to go to heaven. It's the headquarters of sin. That's what it is. Paul said, no good dwells in your flesh. 
It just connects you to the physical. Someday you're going to take your last breath and this piece of skin is going to go into a pine box and go six feet under the ground. It, the Bible tells us it doesn't want to have anything to do with God. It doesn't want you reading the Bible. It doesn't want you meditating on the Bible. It doesn't want you memorizing the Bible. Your flesh doesn't want you to come to church. Your flesh doesn't want you to do anything that's holy or godly. It's weak. And it'll always be weak. But the Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit in you, boom! Now that's strong. But you can see just how strong the flesh is. Because often the flesh wins out, doesn't it? As I said, the flesh is going to win out on some of your lives. I know you've got this great idea. I'm really going to make church a priority. And you got two weekends in. Praise the Lord for you. Some didn't even get a, you know, earn here this week. And some didn't even make it the first week. The flesh is a powerful, powerful thing. And so what Jesus said here is he said, keep watch and pray. And to me, these two words kind of summarize the, 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 what we as Christians are to do with our lives. Watchfulness sees the temptations that are coming. It, it sees the enemy at head. It recognizes the danger. And prayer gives strength to withstand the temptation or strength to overcome the attack of the enemy or, or wisdom to know how to avoid it. I heard this illustration that if all you do is watch, it's like you know, trying to walk with one leg. All you do is kind of go around in a circle, right? And if all you do is pray, and all you do is that, all you do is go around in a circle. But Jesus said, use both. Walk, watch, and pray. Watch and pray. There's a role that we play as believers in this war. And that is, we got to have a healthy respect for our enemy, and then we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to spend time with the Lord in prayer. It's the way we connect with him. We need to be talking to God often. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And then, then here's a truth from the word of God. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he, God, will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So here's this truth. God says that when the, 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 the enemy, the devil, the Satan, the demons, when they come and they tempt you, and, and they're tempting your flesh to, to do evil things, God promises, hey, as one of my children, there's always a way out. Always. There's always a way out. Now, here's the deal. Here's why prayer is so important. You'll never see the way out if you're not praying. It's only when you're praying that God reveals, here's the way out. Here's how you can overcome that temptation. Here's how you can live a fruitful life for God. Here's how you can be more and more transformed into the image of God. Here it is. And so prayer becomes an important thing for us to see those ways of escape. I've told you this story before, but when, uh, when I was a youth pastor here, uh, and this, was, this happened a long time ago, uh, probably 30-something years ago, I had taken a group of kids to camp, and one of the things that the seniors always wanted to do was, they, the seniors always wanted to kind of get me while we were up at camp, so they would, you know, have meetings before we'd ever go to camp, and they'd always bring a bag of stuff up, try to get, get to me. 
And uh, what they didn't understand was I had some CIA agents, undercover agents, freshmen. <laughs> and so what, what would happen is, is every day I'd, I'd meet up with my little CIA agents, my little undercover agents, you know, and uh, we'd be out by a tree or something. And I'd say, okay, wh wh what are they doing? What do they got going on? Uh, they're going to try to throw you in the lake today, right after lunch. And I'd say, okay, and I'd rip off a couple of dollar bills and hand, hand it to the guy. The little guy would run away. And so I just made sure I went around the lake at, at that moment or, or whatever. Well, one day, no, no joke, I meet my little informant. And uh, so what are they planning today? Well, they found a snake. Okay, and I, I'm, I'm just horrified of snakes. They, they freak me out. And, uh, and they, they captured it, and they put it in your sleeping bag. It was like, whoa. So I just, I just gave the kid the whole wad and just said, okay, I got I to gotta, I gotta figure this thing out here. So I went up to my room. It was during the day, and so the kids are all out playing, goofing off by the lake and all that. And I don't think I would have noticed, but my sleeping bag was zipped up. And, and man, I, you know, I, I knew there was something in there. And so what I did was I, I unzipped the guy's sleeping bag, then I unzipped my sleeping bag, and then I dumped the snake. This was like a... 40-footer. It was like a, it was like a, <laughs> like an anaconda. Only anaconda Hume ever had. I'm telling you, this thing was huge. And it fell in, and I zipped his bag up. Well, we go through the day, and, and at night, you know, the kids all hang out by the fire pit, and, and the boys are out there because they want to look at the girls, you know, they're trying to pick up on girls or whatever. And I, I know I would have picked up on this in a moment because all the guys in my cabin said, hey, hey, Pastor Rick, let's get up to our room and have our Bible study. Yeah. I, at that moment, I would have known, okay, you know, something's not right here. So I say, okay, we make our way up, and, and I got to time this out right. And so, you know, we're all just kind of talking, and, and we're all getting our J's on, you know. And, and I, I can't get into my bag before he gets into his, and so I'm just kind of stalling. And, you know, some of the kids already get in their bags. Hey, Pastor Rick, let's, you know, let's talk about the deity of Christ tonight. You know, it's like, this is crazy. So finally... The, the, the guy unzips his bag, and he slides his feet into his bag, and it was like like two seconds later, ah! and he jumps out, and this two-headed snake came out, was biting everybody, and I, I was safe and all that kind of stuff. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. If I don't listen to my little informant, I get the snake. A lot of snakes out there. And the reason why most Christians get the snake is because they're not listening. They don't spend time with the Lord. They don't spend time in his word. And here, this God who loves you deeply, he died on a cross for you. You're one of his kids. You know, he knows where all the snakes are in life. <laughs> but we, we, we get bit by him because we just refuse to realize just how powerful he is, and so we don't pray. And, and look, praying is one of the ways that you will defeat the enemy, is when you spend time talking to him. Uh, one of my favorite quotes about prayer is Samuel Chadwick, and I've shared this with you a bunch of times, but he said this, quote, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He cares nothing for prayerless work, prayerless study, or prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, he mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray.
And I realize that's not scripture, but, but I think it's true. And I want to be somebody who makes the, the, the enemy tremble often. Don't, don't, don't you want that, Christian? And one of the things I'm excited about is Phil and Connie Grover, Phil being one of our, 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 our former elders. Connie used to be the director of our women's ministry. In, in starting this month, the last Friday of every single month, 6 o'clock in the morning till 1, they're going to have a special time of prayer, just church-wide prayer in the altar room. You can come for a half an hour, come for an hour. You can come for 20 minutes. You can spend the whole day here if you want. And they'll just kind of hand you some things, give you some direction, and you can just spend time alone praying. Maybe if it's full, you can come in here and pray. There's somewhere around this campus where you can pray. And I want to encourage all of you, as a church family, make sure you come down and say, I'm going to join my family at some moment on the last Friday of, 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 of every month. Uh, n- number three, if you want to win the war, you need to be alert. Peter said, you know, stay alert, watch out. And I'm sure Peter remembered what Jesus said when Jesus said, watch out, keep a watch out. And so here, Peter's saying, you gotta stay alert, you gotta, you gotta watch out. And, 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 and here, here, here's the deal. Um, the idea is, you know, you wake up in the morning, the enemy has laid all these little landmines out there, all these little traps. He, he's deceiving us. He's got all these things out there. And most of the time, we wake up and we make our breakfast and we have our coffee and we go to work and we drop our kids off and we do whatever and we don't even realize that there's this enemy out there. And what Peter's saying is, listen, if you want to have victory, yes, you got to have a healthy respect. Yeah, you got to pray, but you know what? You, you just got to be a little bit vigilant. You know, really, do I really want to hang out with that guy? Is that really going to lift me to new heights in my walk with God? Is that guy going to drag me down the rat hole? Is it, you know, you got you to just watch. Is that really something I ought to be involved in? Is this really going to help my walk with God, or is this going to help my walk with God? Is this something that's going to lead me down a path that's going to really weaken, you know, who I am in, in Christ? It's all, it's all, it's like, um, uh, watch any of those football games happening this weekend. When the quarterback gets up under center, you know, he's not checking his, you know, email on his phone. He's looking. Okay, what's that guy going to do? Okay, what's he doing? Okay, hey, hey, hey ooh, 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 I think this guy's going to blitz. He's calling an auto. He, he's alert. He's watching what everybody's doing. What's everybody? And when a guy goes in motion, you know what he's doing? They just don't do that for, because they got nothing else better to do. They're doing that because once that guy goes in motion, the defense does something. And what it does is it's letting him know some information about some stuff. He's alert. He's watching what's happening. And that's what we as believers have to do. We just got to be alert. We got to kind of watch what's going on and make sure that we're not getting involved in, in things we ought not get involved in. Uh, Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 5, so be careful how you live. Christian, just take that first sentence there. Be careful how you live. Be be careful. Be careful. We as believers, there's lots of freedoms in Christ. This is a church that understands the the great freedoms that we have in in Christ. We, We understand that there are some disputable issues. There's freedoms. But we have to be careful. 
Be careful who you're hanging out with. Be careful where you're going after work. Be careful the kind of things you say to your secretary. You, gotta, you just got to be careful, you see? You understand that? N n number four. If you want to win the war, you need to be difficult. And I really like those two words. James said, hey, humble yourself before God and resist the devil. Resist him. Resist him. Be difficult. Too many believers, man, Satan can put, you know, the rookie demons on your life. You're, you're, you're not difficult. You're easy. You're easy pickings. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5 goes on and says the same thing. Resist him. And then he says, standing firm in the faith. Yes, you have to have a healthy respect for your enemy and you need to pray and you need to be alert. But then you got to go, okay, man, here's the deal. I'm going to be difficult. You're not taking me down. You're not taking my spouse down. You're not taking my family down. You're not taking my business down. I'm going to be really difficult. I am going to resist, and how you resist is you stand firm in the faith. That's how you do it. And well, how do you do that, Pastor? Well, let me give you a couple ways you can stand firm, dig in, and say, okay, listen, man, I see it, <laughs> but I'm going to be difficult. And that is spending time just reading the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, studying the Word of God meditating on the Word of God. Most Christians probably spend five, ten minutes in the Word of God. <laughs> That's why we got the mess we have today. If you spend an hour with God, that's about 4% of your day, 24-hour day. You sleep for eight hours, that's about 30%. You work for about eight hours, that's about 30%. You know, you got to eat and do stuff with your kids, but... Most believers today spend, they'll spend an hour doing all kinds of stuff. But to spend an hour with God, just 4% of a 24-hour day, about four. Wow. That's when you become difficult. That's when all of a sudden, you know, Satan's got to go, dude, listen, I can't put any rookies on that guy's life. I got I to I put some, some, you know, I got I to put some SEAL Team 6 guys on that guy's life. He's difficult. He's not making it easy. N number five. N number five. If you want to win the war, you need to be in relationship with other Christians. And I, I wish I could have reworded that because there's a lot of Christians who it, it won't do you any good to be in relationship with them. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just useless. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how some Christians interface with other believers today. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. The Bible says that two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Man, praise the Lord. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help them. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? If a person standing alone, uh, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And that, that, that passage just makes super sense, doesn't it? 
I mean, look, we're in a war here. Satan's out there tempting uh, your brothers and sisters to do evil. He tempts people to disobey God. He tempts people to sin. And oftentimes, guess what? The flesh is weak and they, they succumb to the sin. Oh, I hope there's somebody in your life who's willing to grab you and say, you know what, listen, that, that's just wrong and crummy. Don't, don't live in sin. Don't live in sin. I care about you and I love you enough to where I am going to confront you on your sin. You've fallen down. Let me be the one who picks you up and makes sure that you're headed back on the right direction, you see. You see, we need others in our lives who will remind us, hey, we got an enemy out there. Don't forget that. We need people to remind us, hey, are you praying? Hey, we need people to remind us, hey, hey, are you alert? Stay alert. Hey, listen, you know, I've noticed that you've been hanging out with your secretary a lot lately. Can there be that much business going on that you would spend that kind of time with her? You got anybody like that in your life? If you don't, it's not a good thing. You have somebody, do you care if your spouse looks at your texts? I shouldn't have came to church today. Yeah, you needed to be here today. Maybe I'm gonna save you from something horrific. You need to have people in your lives that remind you, hey, hey, be alert. Hey, are you being difficult? Man, we got groups out there that are encouraging people to do all kinds of stuff. Where are the groups that are encouraging us to holiness and godliness, encouraging us to live a life worthy, a fruitful life for Christ? Where are the people that are encouraging us to read our Bibles and spend time in the Word and, and, and memorizing the Word? Where are those groups at? It ought to be, you ought to have some Christian friend that does that in your life. We're told in Scripture, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And, and as I said, we know it's not easy. we got this enemy out there that's powerful and he hates us. And when you do life alone, man, you, you, just, you just don't stand a chance against him. But if you're in relationship with other Christians, they can, they can help you. Help remind you to pray. One of the great things about coming to church like this is guess what? Hey, I'm reminding you, we've got a time to pray. I'm reminding you, you can go into the altar. I'm reminding you, hey, I'm reminding you, we have a women's ministries. Are you involved? I'm reminding you, we have a men's ministries. Are you involved? Hey, I'm reminding you, if we have small, I'm reminding you of all these things, you see. I can't, I can't come to your home and drag you down here. But I can, I can do my best, as the Bible says, to, to encourage you to love and good deeds. And it's a good deed to join our men's ministry, our women's ministries. It's a good deed to be in church. It's a good deed to follow the scriptures. I'm, I'm doing my best. Hopefully you've got other people in your life that will do that too. We all, we all need that. And last but not least, n n number six, if you want to win the war, you need to put on God's armor. Paul said this in Ephesians 6. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now here's the deal. I don't know whether God's going to come back or not, and I don't know whether I, I can have a heart attack tomorrow, man. But if I don't, 
and I'm alive next weekend, we're going to look at all of these individual pieces of armor. And let me just tell you something. They're, they're fascinating. And you all need to be here. You, you know, I, 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 there are forces that aren't going to want you to be here. But you need to be here if you're a believer. Because you need to have a healthy respect for your enemy. You, you, you need to pray. You need to be alert. You need to be difficult. You need to be in relationship with other Christians. But, but you also need to understand the armor of God and what that means and what each of those pieces mean in our lives. And we're going to have a, a, a great time looking at those. And I want you to be here. Maybe you have a Christian friend who hasn't been in the church for a while. You need to bring them. And we'll have a great time worshiping the Lord and looking at what his word, word said. So we're going to look at number six next weekend, okay? Over in the venue, stand up. Everybody in here, stand up, okay? Let, let, me, let me end by, by praying for you. Just close your eyes for a moment, and while your eyes are closed, I, I don't want you to pray right now. I just want, want to get you alone, okay? Don't worry about your spouse or your friends standing next to you or whatever. The altar room is open over in the venue and in here. Last night, tons of people were in there. Last hour, people were in there. And maybe you're here and you just need some prayer. I know the singing's done, the giving's done, the preaching's done, but God ain't done. And our spiritual leaders, our, our pastors and elders are in that room and they'd love to just sit with you. Last night, there was a guy who came in and he just wanted to have a place to pray all by himself. Take advantage of the altar room. It's there for you. Grab your wife, grab your, your, your husband, grab your children, and by faith walk into that room. Yes, God can hear you any place, but I think there's something about going, you know what, I'm going in that room and I'm going to believe that God might hear my prayers and answer them. Maybe let an elder pray for you. Father, thanks, Lord, for this weekend. I, I've, I, it's been difficult. It's been a difficult weekend, Lord. Man, I didn't sleep good last night. I tossed and turned last night. Man, I just sensed all kinds of stuff, Lord, going on. This is not, it's been hard. But I also know it's been good. We've looked at your word, God. And I pray that these, this little mini-series we're doing here at the beginning of the year would really make a difference in those that name the name of Christ, that call Big Valley Grace their home. Thanks, Jesus. Give us a, a great afternoon. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said... Amen. Amen. Hey, Lord bless you, okay? Live for Christ.